0: Welcome to the RE Podcast, the first dedicated RE podcast for students and teachers. Episode 10, the one about euthanasia and abortion. My name is Louisa Jane Smith and this is the RE Podcast, the podcast for those of you who think RE is boring, which it is, and I'll prove it to you. This week's episode is going to look at abortion and euthanasia, two quite controversial topics. I'm aware that I've used the word controversial a few times now, and you may not know exactly what it means. Don't worry, it just means that people have very strong views about something, and they often quite strongly disagree with people who think something else. For example, some people think that abortion is murder and even kill doctors who perform them. More about that later. Whereas others think it is sometimes a kind thing to do, as every child should be a wanted child. I would imagine you have your own opinion about it. Either way, listen up. Please note that these are both quite sensitive issues and it is possible that some people listening to this may have been directly affected by this issue. If this is the case, I have put the link to a variety of charities where you can get support. Please also know that there is no judgment from me about abortion or euthanasia. My opinions of these issues are personal to me and whatever your opinions are, are personal to you. As such, I will not be offering my opinion on these topics. Let's start with abortion. The technical definition of abortion is the removal of a fetus from the womb. A foetus is a fertilised egg, and legally this must happen within 20 weeks of conception. Conception is when an egg is fertilised. This is currently illegal in some countries, for example, some countries in South America, as they are mainly Catholic and Catholicism generally does not agree with abortion. I'll explain this later, but essentially they believe that only God should end a life. It was illegal in Ireland, also predominantly a Catholic country, until two years ago, when they decided it would be allowed up until 12 weeks if the mother's life was at risk. There are two main opinions about abortion. One says that women should be able to choose what happens to their body. This is called pro-choice. The other is that the fetus has a right to life and no one should take that away. This is called pro-life. So let's take a moment. Are you pro-choice? Do you think a woman should have a choice over whether she continues with a pregnancy or not? Or are you pro-life and think that all foetuses have the right to life? Let's look at some of the arguments for each opinion and evaluate them. This means look at whether or not they are good arguments or whether there are problems with them. Let's start with pro-choice. As I have said, people in this camp think that women have a right to choose what happens to their body. This means they can choose whether or not to have a baby. Back in the 60s, this thinking became more mainstream with the introduction of the contraceptive pill. For the first time in history, women could take control of when they got pregnant. However, contraception is not always reliable. Good life tip there. So it was still possible that a woman could get pregnant accidentally whilst using contraception and not want to continue with the pregnancy. Therefore, pro-choice campaigners fought for the right of women to be able to end their pregnancy. Pro-choicers think that every child should be a wanted child. It may be that you are not emotionally ready for a child or can't afford a child in your current circumstances. But for all pro choices they think that if you have been raped and conceive a child, then abortion has to be a choice available to you, as no baby should be brought into the world in that way. It must be noted that conception through rape is rare, only about 5%, but it is possible. Some people who oppose the pro-choice view argue that if you are having sex, you have to accept that pregnancy can occur even when using contraception, so if you don't want children yet, you shouldn't have sex. However, pro-choicers argue that sex is not just for procreation, making babies, but also for pleasure and for uniting two people. So let's talk about pro-lifers. They fight for the right of every fetus to be given the chance to life, as it cannot fight for itself. They believe abortion is the deliberate ending of a life and, as such, is murder. In the Bible, it says, do not kill. It is one of the Ten Commandments. Pro-lifers believe that if you are not ready for children for whatever reason, then you should not have sex. Most people who have this view are religious and believe that God gives life and it is not up to us to take it away. They use the phrase sanctity of life. And this means that life is sacred, it's special, and it's a gift given by God. They are worried that the option of abortion encourages people to have casual sex, which has many risks other than pregnancy. And as I have mentioned before, they think sex should only happen within marriage or within a loving, committed relationship. Many Catholics teach that sex is not for pleasure, it is only for procreation and therefore should only happen between a husband and wife for the purpose of having children. As such, abortion will never be necessary. Protestants teach that sex is for pleasure, but still should only happen within marriage between a man and a woman. But if pregnancy does occur, that this is God's will, and they should go through with the pregnancy as it is a gift from God. Some pro-lifers will accept abortion in the case of rape, They call this the lesser of two evils. So while abortion is still wrong, it would be more wrong to bring a child into the world that had been conceived in that way. There are also some who agree with abortion if the life of the mother is at risk. However, there are some extreme pro-lifers that even disagree with abortion in the case of rape or if there is a risk to the mother's life, arguing that it brings something beautiful out of a violent or horrific act. Believing that God has given you a gift. Most pro-lifers do not agree with this opinion. Some of the most extreme pro-life groups, such as Army of God, have committed actions that have caused massive controversy. They regularly demonstrate outside abortion clinics and have been known to shout abuse at people coming in and out of these clinics, shouting that they are murderers. The most extreme protest they have taken is to kill abortion doctors. Many people feel that if they are pro-life campaigners, that it seems hypocritical to kill abortion doctors. However, Army of God feel that one less abortion doctor potentially saves the life of many unborn fetuses. I think for many, this is very hard to justify as killing abortion doctors is A, illegal and B, doesn't actually stop abortions taking place. One of the major discussion points surrounding abortion is when life begins. Pro-choicers generally agree that a fetus is not a human, but they disagree at which point it becomes human. Some argue that it is when there is a nervous system, as that is when it can feel pain. But this is about four weeks after conception. Others argue it's when the heart starts beating, but that is about five weeks after conception. Others say it's 20 weeks because that is when abortion becomes illegal. But babies have been born at 21 weeks and survived. Finally, some don't think it's a baby until it is born. Pro-lifers argue that life begins at conception, simple as. But what do you think? Do you think abortion is wrong, but sometimes necessary? When do you think life begins? Do you believe that all humans have the right to life from conception, or that a woman should have a choice as to what happens within her own body? If you have any opinions or feedback or questions on abortion, please contact me through the website www.therepodcast.co.uk or find me on Twitter at therepodcast1 or Instagram therepodcast. So let's turn to euthanasia. New Zealand has just had a referendum to vote on whether euthanasia should be made legal. Let's break this down to work out what it means. A referendum is when a government asks the population of its country to form an opinion. In this case, it's on whether euthanasia should be legalised. Euthanasia is a word based on two Greek words, o, which means good, and Thanatos, who was the Greek god for non-violent deaths. So euthanasia means a good, non-violent death, and it is the act of deliberately ending a life to relieve suffering. It is different from assisted suicide, which is the act of deliberately assisting another person to kill themselves. Euthanasia then relates to the action of ending someone's life who is suffering from a terminal illness. Terminal means there is no recovery and the illness will end in death. Let's give a couple of examples of such illnesses. Motor neurone disease is the disease Stephen Hawkins had. It causes the nerves in your brain and spinal cord that control your motor skills to slowly stop working. Your motor skills are anything which allows you to move... So when these stop working, you stop being able to move. This means you eventually become paralysed, you can't talk, you can't nod, you can't control your bowels. Eventually, it means you can't even breathe. There are other similar diseases like locked-in syndrome where you are literally locked in your own mind and can't do anything which involves muscles. Some people feel that they should be able to choose to end their life before such diseases take away their dignity. However, others look at Stephen Hawkins and see that it is possible to live a full life even with a terminal illness. New Zealand has legalised euthanasia after 65.2% agreed and only 33.8% disagreed. This now means that if a person meets certain criteria, they can be euthanized. This criteria states that the person must be suffering from a terminal illness that is likely to end their life within six months that they are showing significant decline in physical capability, but do have the ability to make an informed decision about assisted dying. New Zealander Matt Vickers, who watched his wife die of a brain tumour after campaigning for the legalisation of euthanasia, said it was a victory for compassion and kindness and is grateful that terminally ill New Zealanders will have a say about the ends of their lives. Supporters of euthanasia in New Zealand argue that it is not a law allowing people to die, but it is a law giving people power over how they die. Opposers to the law argues it contradicts and undermines suicide prevention and could cause patients to feel obliged to use euthanasia to avoid being a burden on their families. As I said earlier, euthanasia is illegal in the UK – However, there are different types of euthanasia, some of which are legal. Let's start with active euthanasia. Active euthanasia is when a deliberate action is taken to end the life of someone. For example, you can go to somewhere like Dignitas, a hospital in Switzerland, where you can be given tablets, which cause you to become unconscious, and then your heart stops. This is illegal in most other countries. Interestingly, among COVID lockdowns, travelling to be euthanised was considered necessary travel. However, if anyone travelled with you, it would be considered assisted suicide and the person accompanying would be breaking the law. Passive euthanasia is when you take treatment away, which results in the natural death of someone. For example... If someone is being kept alive by a life support machine or a feeding tube, a decision may be made to turn the machine off or remove the feeding tube and no longer artificially keep someone alive. This will inevitably lead to the death of the person and is legal in this country. There are also actions that may lead to death that are legal. For example, morphine is a very strong painkiller. When given in large doses, this can result in death. But as long as you are administering the drug for the purpose of pain relief, then if death occurs, it is not illegal. This is known as, wait for it, this will sound complicated, the law of double effect. This means that one action can have two effects. The action of giving morphine has one effect, which is to manage pain, but a second is that it can cause death in high doses. What's important is the motivation or purpose of administering morphine. There is also voluntary and non-voluntary euthanasia. One is decided by the person themselves, one is forced upon them by someone else. In this episode, I'm only talking about voluntary euthanasia, as non-voluntary euthanasia was the basis of the Holocaust and is both morally and legally wrong. Doctors take an oath when they qualify – This oath, or promise, is to preserve life. It is called, wait for it, it's another mind-blowingly big word, the Hippocratic Oath. Because of this oath, doctors have to do everything they can to preserve life and limit pain. Euthanasia is in direct opposition to this oath and therefore cannot legally be allowed. If I ask my students whether euthanasia should be legalised, as they have done in New Zealand, the overwhelming majority think it should be. So, why isn't it? One reason is the Hippocratic Oath, but it's not the only reason. Let's explore reasons for and against euthanasia, and then you can consider your own opinion. Harold Shipman is a GP who is believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history. On the 31st of January 2000, Shipman was found guilty of the murder of 15 patients under his care. However, his total number of victims was meant to be approximately 250. He was sentenced to life with no release, but after just four years, committed suicide in prison. So what has this got to do with euthanasia? As a GP, Shipman injected his victims with lethal doses of painkillers, and then forged their will so he financially profited from their deaths. It is because of this case that the law will not give doctors the power to end lives. But there are other non-religious reasons too. The pressure for more hospital beds, old people thinking they're a burden, people profiting from deaths could mean that people are euthanized for the wrong reason. We also have to look at the impact on the person administering the death. Having the job of euthanizing people could cause psychological damage. Even though you are ending suffering, you are also ending a life. And what about the impact on friends and family of the patient? Often, friends and family want as long as possible with their loved one. We also have to consider the high class palliative care in this country. Palliative care is a specialist form of medical care given to people with terminal illnesses. It ensures that they are kept as comfortable and pain-free as possible in the time leading up to their death. We also have hospices in this country. These are hospitals which specialise in caring for terminal patients. They do not just meet their medical needs, but also their social and emotional ones, as well as supporting the friends and family of the patient. But let's look at the religious reasons. Religion teaches us that life is sacred. It teaches us do not kill. It actually says in Psalms, a book of poetry in the middle of the Bible, that all the days of our lives are predetermined by God. So therefore God decides when we die. However, there are also arguments for euthanasia, both religious and non-religious. Anyone who has had a pet may have had the painful decision to have them put down. The reason this decision would have been made is because their pet was suffering from an illness for which there was no recovery. It felt like the most loving thing to do in that situation. So the main religious argument for euthanasia is based on Jesus' teaching to love your neighbour. Ending someone's suffering is argued to be the most loving thing to do. It is not murder because the person has requested this and death is imminent and inevitable anyway. It is also done by professionals under strict laws. We could get really technical here and talk about situation ethics, a theory by a guy called Joseph Fletcher, who was trying to teach us how to know what the right thing is to do. He suggested that you do whatever creates the most loving action. So in essence, ending someone's suffering is more loving than watching someone suffer and die slowly. However, some people argue that ending someone's life can never be loving. What do you think? Another religious argument for euthanasia is the golden rule. Treat others the way you would like to be treated. In essence, it suggests that if you would like someone else to end your suffering, if you were dying of a terminal illness, then you should give other people a choice to end their life before their diseases do. A non-religious argument for euthanasia is our human right the right to life. This means that we have the right to life, but also we have the right to a life free from pain and indignity. If you are in constant pain, doubly incontinent and with no hope of surviving, then this is not dignified. Essentially, if we have the right to life, we also have the right to death. There is an argument that transcends religion and non-religious arguments, which is the right for humans to have a quality of life. We are heartbroken if we see pictures of children with swollen bellies through malnutrition or searching through rubbish dumps or unwashed or beaten or abused. So some people think that humans deserve a life of a certain quality. To be in constant pain, to be unable to communicate or move, this is not the quality of life that humans deserve. We're in a situation now that developments in medical care keeps humans alive longer and manages pain so effectively that we are less tolerant of pain and death when actually it is inevitable for all of us. But what do you think? Do you think euthanizing someone is the ultimate expression of love or is it legalized murder? If you have any thoughts you can message me through my website www.therepodcast.co.uk. And as usual, you can tweet me on The RE Podcast One or go to my Instagram page, The RE Podcast. I am Louisa Jane Smith, and this has been The RE Podcast, a podcast for people who think RE is boring, which it is. I just proved it. But thank you so much for listening to me bore the life out of you.